Good morning, everyone. I am going to be doing our reading this morning, and it is from 1 Timothy. And as John said last week, we're jumping into chapter 3, verse 8 to 13. This is God's word. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Amen. I'm going to pray, take some time just to pray before John comes to speak. Father, as we have just sang the words, holy, holy, holy. Father, we pause to acknowledge who you are, that you are a holy God. And Father, as we just acknowledge that, we also acknowledge that if we came into your presence, we deserve death. We dare not stand because we are sinful and unholy at every turn. So, so we turn our eyes to Jesus the one who makes it possible for us to stand. Your son, who you gave so readily for us, makes us the only way that we can come to your presence. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you would help us to see who Jesus is, to see who we are, and how much we need him. Father, we just pray, Lord, that our worship is acceptable to you today. We pray that as we come to look at this passage, Father, that, that we will see your heart for the local church that we will see how much you love your bride and that it is not to be messed with. So Father, we pray that we will take this seriously today. We pray that the word that you have given us, Father, will inform who we choose to serve this church. Father, we pray for your church across the globe this morning. We pray, Lord, that we thank you that the gates of hell will not prevail, that you are building your church. In the darkness, sometimes hope can seem, it can seem so lost, but Father, we know that you have a plan. 
We know that your church is growing. We know that you are saving. And we know that you are coming back for your bride. And we can stand firm in that. Father, we pray that we will be a people who declare who you are to this town, to our world, Father, to our workplaces, to our families. Because you are the hope and you are the light. Help us never to shy away from that. Father, we pray for John now as he comes to declare your word. Father, be ever present to him. In your name I pray. Amen. Thanks, Emily, for that this morning. Thanks for praying for us. As Emily has said, we are thinking about uh, particularly the role uh, and characteristics of deacons this morning. Uh, and as we've been in First Timothy, the, the crux of First Timothy, as I explained probably last week, is sound doctrine. That is what First Timothy is about, sound doctrine, and what is in accordance with sound doctrine. What we think about the church really matters. What we think about the church really matters. The church is described in the New Testament, as you know, as the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ. And so what we think about that matters. What we think about Jesus' bride matters. And so it's massively important as we, as we go through 1 Timothy that we think and consider, like I said last week, what we have not only is the message of the gospel, but the method of the church and how the church should be structured. What we have is both message and method. And what we come to see this morning is one of the, the methods for the structuring of the church is that the church have in place deacons that will serve the church. What we're considering today is the way that the church is structured. In the New Testament, what we see very clearly is that there are only two offices in the church. The office of elder and the office of deacon. Those are the only two uh, offices that we see in the church. Elders are completely equal in authority. Uh, we, we see the word pastor, elder, bishop, presbyter, all mean the same thing and are all interchangeable. And so therefore the elders in the church are of equal authority and plural in every aspect. We have a plurality of eldership here in Cornerstone Church. I have no more authority than, than Marcus or John and they have no more authority than me. We are equal in standing. That's the way we are structured. And then we have deacons. The second, that is the second office that we see and that's the one that we're considering this morning, the office of deacon. And here's what I want you to do this morning as we come to this. I want you to forget everything that you have ever thought or have ever thought you've known about the office and the role of deacon. For some of you, that may be easier than others. Because I know for some of you, that wouldn't possibly be highlight on your thinking during the week. You know, what, what is it? You're not walking around, what's the deacon? What's the deacon do? 
right? But I want you to come to this this morning, and I want you to forget everything that you have ever thought you have known about what a deacon is or what a deacon does. We good? Have you done that? It's gone. Blank. Because some of you look blank. Some of you seem to have done this very well. All right? Forget about it. Forget what you've known. Because here's the thing. What will determine how we vote on deacons and what we choose as deacons must, must come from the Word. It must be informed by what we read in the text, not by what we think. Not by our preconceived ideas of what deacons are and what they do. It has to be from the text. And what I want to say is, again, as we start this this morning, as we look at the... And this is the overriding thought that we'll have this morning about deacons. The qualifications for deacons are around character. Character. Not practicality. Character. That's what we see. Over and over again, the character traits are what we should be looking at. So, the role of deacons. The Bible doesn't actually, it only gives us in one place a, a, a brief glimpse of the role of what actually deacons do, and that is in Act 6. And so, what we, how, where, where we come to as, as we get deacons, where do we get deacons from? The original passage that we get the, the role of deacon from is that passage in Acts 6. And, and what I want to do this morning is I'll read that in a moment. And then we'll look at that and we'll see that. And then we'll move over to First Timothy and we'll see the qualifications. So let me read Acts 6, this picture of where deacons come from. As I say, this is important. Focus. This is important. If you're a member in Cornerstone Church here this morning, I need your attention. Listen to these words. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily food distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up the preaching of the word to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to, the pr to prayer and to the ministry of the word. That is the only time in the New Testament you get a glimpse of what a deacon actually does. That's it. Now, what are they doing? What the, the, this need comes to the elders, the apostles. This need comes to the elders from the church, and the elders say, they, they gather the church together, and they say, it's not right that we give up our, our ministry of 
which is really important, actually, that you see that as well. What is the ministry of the elders? Prayer, the teaching of the Word. It's not right that we give that up to serve tables, right? Pick out from among yourselves seven men, good repute, full of the Spirit, and wise. To do what? Distribute the food. That's what they're doing. So when you think deacon, think food bank. That's the only glimpse we have in the New Testament of what a deacon does. I just wanted to lay that out there at the start. That is the only glimpse that we get of what they actually do. The rest of the time is spent on the character of such a person. The rest of the time is spent on the character of such a person. Good repute, filled with the Spirit, and wise. Right, a couple of practicalities I want to just sort out before we go any further in, in our position here in Cornerstone Church on why we do things the way we do. Why do we vote, for example, on deacons and not on elders? Well, what you see there in Acts 6 is, as I say, the, the apostles gather the church together and say, pick from among yourselves. What's that? That's a vote. Pick from among yourselves seven men to serve in this capacity. That's a vote. Very clear. Why do we not do that with elders? Because we never see that in the New Testament when it comes to elders. What we see in the New Testament when it comes to elders is elders appoint elders. Paul writes to Titus, the reason I left you in Crete was to appoint elders in every church. Elders appoint elders. The church picks the deacons. So that's why we do what we do. Something else I want you to encourage you to think about uh, here in Cornerstone is this. Uh, obviously, if you're from Cornerstone, you're a member of Cornerstone, you will know that we are complementarian in our church leadership, which may, means that we, we believe that the role of elder is reserved for, for qualified men, uh, whereas we believe the role of deacon is open to both men and women. Why do we believe that? Here's the reasons why we believe that. The word itself, deacon, can be either masculine or feminine in the Greek, so it doesn't distinguish one from the other. Second reason, 1 Timothy 3.11 can be interpreted, and we'll see this as we go through the qualifications, 1 Timothy 3 verse 11 can be interpreted both as the wives of deacons or women deacons. You'll see if you've got an ESV study Bible, if you go to the explanatory notes, it will tell you that there. It can be interpreted both as wives of deacons or women deacons, all right? And so I'll just be, in the spirit of transparency, I went right back to the start this week. I did what, what I asked you to do. I tried my best to forget everything that I've ever known about deacons. I tried my best to go right back and, 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 and qualify everything I've ever thought and everything that I, the Bible says about this. That's where I went. I even back to the fact of, can we actually have women deacons? And I, I, to be honest, I came to the same conclusion because of that verse. We can. So that's the reason. Also, some people give the reason to Phoebe in Romans, 6, Romans 16 it says this, I commend to you our sister, a servant, or a deacon. Now, 
personally, I would contend that, that doesn't the word deacon in that context is general servant. It's not the same word for servant as used for deacon. So that is not a convincing argument for me. The convincing argument for me why is why we should have women deacons is the, is the Timothy text, not the Phoebe text. It's the Timothy one. So we believe in voting for deacons, and we also believe that women can hold the role of deacons. Right. First qualification for a deacon from Act 6 is that they have a good reputation. A good reputation. And so on that very one, I want you to flip then to Timothy. If you've been in Romans or in Acts there, I want you to flip back to Timothy chapter 3. No, there's not much flipping. I thought that. Uh, right. I want you to look at first, if you've got your Bible, and I hope you do because this is important. I want you to look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, and we're going to go through these qualifications together. One by one. If you take Acts 6, good repute, basically 1 Timothy 3 outlines what that looks like. What that looks like. So what should you base your, 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 your deacon approach or vote on? Here's what it is. Character. Character, character, character. Is it their ability to be efficient? No. Is it their ability to get stuff done? No. Is it someone who is really practical? No. Is it someone who is really visible in the church? No. We have made that mistake before. It is not based on that. It is not based on practicality. It is not based on visibility. It is not based on any of those things. It is based on character and character alone. And so what does Timothy say about character? First word. Deacons likewise. Where has Timothy been just before this? If you go back in your Bible and you read the passage before the passage that Emily read this morning, you will see that Timothy has been talking about what? Elders. Elders. He has given the qualification of elders, and then he says, and deacons likewise. Here's what I want to say about this. If you would not have someone as an elder, do not have them as a deacon. If you would not vote for someone as an elder, do not vote for them as a deacon. The qualifications are the same apart from that one little thing that I've explained before, that one little thing apt to teach. That is the only difference in qualifications between elders and deacons. The elder must be apt to teach, which, by the way, is not what I am doing now. Right? 
apt to teach for the elder means that you hold sound doctrine, can, can have a conversation with someone around sound doctrine, know the gospel, and refute a doctrine that is not good. Can I say to the men in this room, that is why many of you will never be elders. You may know sound doctrine, but you do not have what it takes to refute sound doctrine. That's the role of an elder. Apt to teach. The role of a deacon, the, quali the qualifications and the character traits of a deacon are the same as an elder. Please bear this in mind. If you would not have them as an elder, do not have them as a deacon. That's important. That is important. And what I would say on that is, if we get two nominations for deacons, we will go with two. We currently have seven. We would like seven. If we get two nominations, we'll go with two for a vote. If we get three nominations, we'll go with three. Base who you approach on the character traits that are set before us today. Right. Number one, dignified. Dignified. And the thing about these qualifications, folks, I always say this about the Bible. These are only, they're only hard on us because they're easy understood. They're hard to hear sometimes because they're easy understood. Dignified, what does that mean? It means honorable, respectable, esteemed, worthy, respectable. Number two, not double-tongued. What does it mean to be double-tongued? What it means to be double-tongued is two things. Either you're a barefaced liar, or you say something to someone and say something else to someone else. Now, here's a wee insight, right? I want to give you a wee insight today from an elder's perspective, right? A lot of you say things, don't you? Yeah? A lot of you say things, right? And you think that the elders will never hear what you say. But we do. Because the people you say the things to come and tell us. And you think they won't. But they do. And then the elders are left in a position where we can't do anything about that because the person that it would it would it would cause a complete mess, alright? But be assured, we know. All right? Just, just putting that out there. Uh, you d that's the truth. We know stuff. We hear stuff all the time that we can't do anything about. That's the reality of saying one thing to somebody and saying something to somebody else. We get it all the time. Not double-tongued, two-faced, insincere. Their words cannot be trusted. They lack credibility. 
Not addicted to much wine. Very easy to understand. Addicted means an ongoing struggle. Something that they cannot do without such a person lacks one of the fruits of the Spirit. Self-controlled, undisciplined. Not greedy for dishonest gain. Why would you think that is a qualification, a character qualification for a deacon? Not greedy for dishonest gain. This qualification is around money. And it's a really, really important one. If a person is a lover of money or someone who spends money flippantly, they are not qualified to be a deacon. Especially since deacons can often handle the finances of the church. And so someone who is a lover of money and, and, and just spends it as if there's no, no end to it cannot be trusted with the finances of the church. Sound in faith and life, verse 9. Paul indicates here that, that they must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. The phrase mystery of the faith simply is one way of Paul describing the gospel. This goes without saying, folks, but I'll say it anyway. A deacon must be a Christian. Have to be a Christian. Have to display the fruit of the Spirit in some capacity. That's a very simple, basic, Captain Obvious thing to say, but it's just, it needs said nevertheless. And that's what Paul's saying there. They must hold the faith, the mystery of the faith. Blameless. Dignified, not, or hold on, we see. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Let them also be tested first and let, so let them serve as deacons. They must prove themselves blameless. Now, what we know already from this gathering today is that none of us are blameless. None of us. There is only one who is blameless and his name is Christ Jesus. So what does this mean? This means that we are, in his, we are standing in Christ and we are on a trajectory of sanctification. And we are employing what we call here grace-driven effort to get there. That's what it means. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. And there's that text. There's the one where we see that it is okay for women to be deacons in the church because this text can be interpreted and women deacons the same as it says, and wives. Their wives, you can substitute in there, women deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife. Basically, it's the same qualification as an elder. Faithful. Managing their children and their household well. What does that mean? What it means is that we are to look at the family life 
of someone who you are considering to be a deacon. And if the family life of that person is on fire, whilst all over here everything looks good, then you should not approach them to be a deacon. Their children must be in submission to them and respect them. Otherwise, they are not fit to serve as deacons in the church. If their children are running around like feral cats, then that is not an acceptable deacon. Managing their own household and their children well. Do they have control? Do their children respect them? And then it says, for those who serve well as a deacon, gain a good standing for themselves. Why does it say that? And also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Why does it say that? Because what you will have as a deacon is the confirmation of the church that you are what this says you are. You will have the confirmation of the church and the affirmation of the church that this you are what this says you are. And so you will gain a good standing in the church for that. So, what I need to say, and I've said this already to the existing deacons, so I'm not saying anything they haven't heard before. If you feel, if you feel that you do not meet these qualifications, do not let your name go forward on a voting list to be a deacon. Do I, are, are, we, are, are you with me? No, you're not? I'm going to stand here literally until I get about a 95% nod rate. If you feel you do not meet these qualifications, do not let your name go forward. Because here's the thing, we're human beings... And it's all well and good if someone comes to you and says, oh, I think you'd make a great deacon. And you take the pat on the back and you say, yes, let my name go forward. When you know you. When you know you. This cannot be some mutual pat on the back session where we go around everybody who we want to be in with to pat them on the back and say, I think you'd be a great deacon. It's more important than that. So please, consider the qualifications. And if you do not think you meet the qualifications, do not let your name go forward because it will save you an embarrassing conversation further down the line. They must be of good repute. What is the second thing that Acts 6 says that they must be? 
filled with the Spirit. So what we have in 1 Timothy is these list of qualifications that gives them this good reputation. But in Acts 6 it says that they must be filled with the Spirit. Uh, again, it might sound like a ridiculously obvious, obvious thing to say, but as a deacon, a deacon must be someone who has been transformed by Jesus, by the grace of Jesus, is a disciple of Jesus, is following Jesus, and is displaying the fruits of the Spirit in some capacity. And I, I have to be, I, probably I'll, I'll let you into me, Probably the reason why I have to be so blatantly obvious about these things is because I used to serve on church committees with people who were no more Christian than this here platform that I'm standing on. You must be someone who is filled with the Spirit, saved, redeemed, walking with Christ, And so for the apostles to say, pick someone who is filled with the Spirit, the first thing that they must be is a disciple. And so when you're thinking about a deacon candidates, ask yourself the question, is this person displaying the fruit of the Spirit of God? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Are they evident in the way they serve, and are they evident in the way that they conduct their lives? Deacons are people who will no doubt attend any number of little frustrations that there are in the church, and they need to be people who are filled with the Spirit first and foremost. And if these qualities and if these characteristics are present and they are filled with the Spirit, then it will give them a right view of their role. Which is this to primarily relieve the elders from the practical things of church life so that they can do what they have been called to do which is devote themselves to the ministry of the word and to prayer. I love this name. Thabiti Anyabwili. That's a name for you. Go home and look that one up. Thabiti says this. When deacons are spirit-filled, they do not see themselves in competition with the elders, but rather see themselves as complementing them. There is so much confusion over the role of a deacon. It is absolutely mind-boggling. Let me, let, me, let me explain very, very quickly. And I'll, I'll, I'll do it really quickly. Act 6. What happens? There is a need arises in the church. The need comes to the elders. The elders then say to the deacons, meet that need. That's it. That's it. The vision 
comes from the elders, the implementation of that vision is done by the deacons. There's no talk about money. There's no talk about controlling of money. There's no talking about how much, none of that. Elders' visions, deacons make it happen. Simple as that. That's what it is. That's what it is. The word deacon literally means, in the Greek, servant. Servant. That's the way it should be. Third quality described in Acts 6 really quickly is wisdom. The Bible put a lot, puts a lot of weight on wisdom, has a lot to say about it. For all of us who have been through the, the Proverbs study, uh, Proverbs 4, get wisdom, get insight, do not forget, do not turn away from the word of my mouth, do not forsake her, and she will keep you, love her, and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom, <laughs> whatever you do, get insight. And so it's really important that a, that a deacon be wise. Basically what the Bible is saying, get wisdom at all costs. J.I. Packer sums up wisdom like this. Wisdom is the power to see and the inclination to choose the best and highest goal together with the surest means of attaining it. Wisdom is the power to see and the inclination to choose the best and highest goal together with the surest means of attaining it. When you look at an elder candidate, look at their lives. Are they wise? Wise. Because again, deacons will need to be able to resolve problems, see problems, anticipate problems, avoid problems. And so they need to be wise so that the church is not derailed from her mission. So, in summing up, I hope you had at the beginning forgotten everything you know about what you thought a deacon was or what they did. And our hope and prayer as elders is that you have let the scriptures inform you of what a deacon is and what they do. Base your recommendation and your votes on this. Base your recommendation and your votes on this. Not what you think. Not who your friends are. Not who you think might be good because X, Y, and Z. This. This is so important, folks. So important. The people who you will nominate and the people who will come on board as deacons will serve this church for the next two years. And let me just say this. We are entering a critical period of Cornerstone Church life. 
a critical period of Cornerstone Church life. This is of vital importance. Do not act quickly. Do not act on compulsion. Prayerfully consider the qualifications and then approach. At the end of the service today, at the very end of the service after we're finished worship, Marcus will, will read to you a statement prepared by the elders on, on how we're going forward and, and, and the, the voting process. But please, please, make your decisions based on the word. Not on what you feel. This is important. This is the bride of Christ. Let me pray for us. Father, we do thank you for your word that shows us what you want. You've given us both the message and the method, and I'm so thankful that you have. You've made these things plain. And I thank you for these lists of, of qualifications here that you've given us for deacons. This is what you want for your church. And so, Father, I pray that the Spirit of God would be at work amongst your church. Help us to discern. Help us to know. Help us to seek your wisdom and your Spirit's leading. And ultimately, Help us just to look at your spirit, what your spirit has written. And to make our decisions based on that. We love you and we thank you for Jesus. And we thank you for his bride. It's in his name we pray. Amen.